Hello, I'm Matt Peterson. And I am Rich Trapier. And this is episode 39 of History on the Table. Did you hear that, Rich? I did hear that. And let me see, are we playing the, uh, the, the beer game, war game, game game? Exactly. I'm guessing you're drinking Bud Light Lime. No, how dare no. you. <laughs> I am drinking from from my good buddy. Although I don't know which one of you this came from, a can of <laughs> Civil Life American Brown Ale. We'll just say it came from me. Sure, and it's it's just the best beer out there. So I really good. do think yeah. it's my favorite beer. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's my go-to. I mean, I drink other stuff sometimes in the mood for something else, but if ever I can't decide, that's that's always my go-to. So this will be very quick. Someone sent me a link today. Uh, Phil sent me a link today on a hookup for beer glasses and they charge kind of per color. And so the history on the table logo would be very expensive, but the historic fest logo would not. And okay. I'm thinking of doing like a first 50 people that sign up, get a historic fest Stein appropriate nice. for civ life. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, sounds good to me. That's uh, if there's interest, I will do it, and I will gauge interest. We have plenty of time, and I think the the place he sent me is based out of Lawrence, Kansas. So, cool. um, yeah. And mentioning uh, talking about Historic Fest, this is the Historic Fest recap episode. It's also the we're back, baby. We are back. It's been since what May? May. Yeah, I had a little yeah. summer break with you've some been guests. busy though. I mean, everyone's heard your voice; they just haven't heard mine. <laughs> You'd think that I was the one that had the baby with all the recordings that you've been dropping. Ah, pre-recorded. <laughs> That's the magic of radio. <laughs> yeah, there was like hockey predictions and stuff in there, and I think by the time oh, yeah. that stuff even came out, it was like over and done. Yeah, we don't have to talk about who won. That's yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I don't. I I know that like three months have gone by, and. You know, I asked GMT, like, hey, can you wait? Um, and they didn't. But we do have a GMT update to go through tonight. It's not too old. Fairly recent August update. We have Historic Fest to talk about. And we just have all the other stuff we've been doing all summer. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be like three episodes in one. So, <laughs> it's, I mean, we're going to go six hours, right? Uh, Well, other than Historic <laughs> Fest, I didn't do a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. I guess we'll try to keep it under three. Fair, fair. But I may have to refill my drink at the halfway point, so. Yeah, I'll have to run upstairs for, uh, I need a beer fridge down here, just for recording nights. Yeah. And what are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking an old-fashioned, actually. Mm. Classy. Yeah, I like, uh, I like bourbon. It's, it's my, uh. My choice drink for the most of the time, but either bourbon or beer is what I'm. Uh, red wine sometimes. That's like those three things as like ninety five percent of what I drink. I think that's a song. Like w one bourbon, one red wine, one beer. Yeah, I think that's how it goes. Yeah, I call it Friday. All right. <laughs> uh, sh should we uh, should we just like go with it? I don't like. Do we need to? Had a baby, busy summer, did the thing, had a convention. Yeah. I say we stick with what's working. All right. All right. Let's talk uh, games. And, like, I, you know, I didn't go on a crazy spinning spree. I had, like, one GMT P500 come in. What about you? So, it's funny. I didn't buy anything until Historic Fest last week. But um, 
<laughs> and I, I actually picked up a number of games, but I didn't really spend that much money. What's really funny to me, though, is my wife bought way more than I did. So she like, you know, the in fact, the first game that I got was Siege of Jerusalem. And it was sitting there and I was interested in it. I know Mitch had been playing it. So I asked him, I'm like, how'd you like it? Is it worth getting? And he said, for that price, it's definitely worth it. And then I picked it up mostly because my wife had another game she wanted. And I got this one for free. So I got it on the, the buy one, get one free day. So I picked that one up. Haven't played it yet, but it's uh, it's sitting there tempting me on my shelf. Nice. Siege of, Siege of Jerusalem from who made that? Mm. Let me look. It's an old one. It might be Avalon Hill. I'm not sure. I can see the box, but I can't Avalon see the details. Hill. Yeah. It looks like an Avalon Hill game. Very good. I had just showed up today, I think. Stalingrad 42 expansion. Little Saturn. This is after Stalingrad and the Soviets go on an offensive. Nice. Um, I didn't. I did an unsacking. Uh, if you want to <laughs> check check that out, it's all of fourteen seconds. Yeah, I'll have to uh, like and subscribe on YouTube to see that. That's that's right. S- smash that exclusive. subscribe and like button, y'all. <laughs> did you talk for half an hour about the components too? <laughs> <laughs> I have an idea for for one of those, but this was this was another unboxing short, but uh, it came in a bag, so unsacking. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, so Songrad Forty Two rocks. It's such. I still haven't played that. I need to get that on the table. It's just good. It's it's yeah. really good, and this is more of that. And I think it's uh, I think it's cool that some of these other games are getting some like. Uh, that there's expansions for some of those so Zogbond stuff coming is out. That a, uh, is there a map in there, or is it... I haven't seen your, your unsacking. Is it a map, or is it just a scenario? No, so it's got the cards, some player aid cards, the setup cards, the counters, and the little booklet. Okay, cool. use the normal map, as far as okay. I know. That's right. <laughs> I just undumped the sack, a, and I didn't even look at it. <laughs> all like, of his games have those really nice setup cards. Yes. They're, yes. You know, so you just pull out the counters and load them up. Yeah, it was funny. I was actually talking to, to uh, Re- um, Rex at Historic Fest, and he was setting up this game called 1777, The Year of the Hangman. Yeah, I saw that Cla- on the table. From Clash of Arms, and mm-hmm. beautiful map. But And I don't remember the exact setup locations, but let's just say you were looking at a map of, I don't know, Northeast United States, and it said, okay, place this unit in trenton or something not even that no it was like protestant meeting hall (laughs) no hex numbers no (laughs) reference just black text on a very Uh, dark map and it's like all right find protestant meeting hall uh, that's like you have to ask for directions you like find a local well oh you got to go down this road and take your third left so (laughs) he was google mapping some of these locations to at least get close (laughs) And this all this all circle circles back to some image setup cards because the first like meaty war game that I really had a lot of setup and was like intimidated by was the U.S. Civil War, mm-hmm. and that has amazing setup cards. And then boy was I disappointed with whatever game came came next, and I found out that was <laughs> not the norm. Yeah, yeah, that is that's almost his signature is those those nice setup cards. The things the things we take for granted. I I think yeah. that just should become adopted by the entire industry is setup cards or reference points or, or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now I see here, you bought a game that's has interested me for a very long time because it's yeah, the red I river think... campaign. 
I which think is just, you would like that one, yeah. Yeah, I have a copy. I just haven't played it yet. And that you whole, have the same S&T magazine game that I have? Yeah, because that's Okay, cool. That's about the only game out there that covers that campaign, which was just right. a complete and utter F up. <laughs> yeah, and there's actually Yeah, so I picked up a number of S&T magazine games. I picked um so that's strategy and tactics. Some of them are just there were magazines there, but there're also several with I mean, several. There's a whole box of like actual full games. They're all small games or magazine games, but they were five bucks each, and I think I picked up six of them. So I got one on the Red River campaign, and there's actually another campaign in that same one. That was a twofer, but I knew Red River was something you had talked about. It was on Road to Vicksburg, the Fall of Rome. Uh, there was an Arctic World War Three game that I thought looked cool. Hastings, and then one in Ukraine, 1943-44, called The Tigers Are Burning. So, yeah, a number of those. I haven't even looked at them yet, but for five bucks each, I picked up a handful of those. Well, now that you have Red River campaign, that that could be a consideration for yeah, definitely. the list. You know yeah. that's Great Battles of the American Civil War, right? Early. Which, okay. Uh, yeah, I did not realize that. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think... I think we had talked about that when you talked about... Um, oh, let me scroll down. Which which Civil War game? It was one that you talked about that I haven't played. Oh, I no idea. But I also bought it. Whenever I bought it, we talked about it, too. I don't know to what extent Berg was involved in the design of, of Pleasant Hill. Um, but it is part of the series. So, early... Early on, it was released in 1986. So, cool. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, that'll I'll bump that up on my to play list. Nice. So, one of the the coolest things about Sorkfest this year was meeting new faces, especially the new faces from our Discord. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I had a. I was really happy to meet some people, especially. I don't want to. Don't want to forget anyone, but especially probably Don because I got to play a game with him. So yeah, Brandon, Carl, Don, you know, Bill, Bill is another one. Yeah. yeah, there's I'm and if I'm forgetting, and the whole point of this was to call it Carl. Um, so I didn't mean to include other people. This is Carl's moment to shine. Uh, <laughs> Carl showed up with his collator copy of Dak. Nice as a here you go, check it out. Uh, listener of the show knows that's like the OCS game that I want to play more than anything. And I said, this is incredibly generous. Whenever I get my fill of it, whenever they met, that may be in like 20 years, this is the, a play it forward copy. So I will play and enjoy Dak and pass it on to the next person up and it'll just keep passing wherever it ends up. It ends up. So Carl, I guess the gamers, when it was the gamers would just have a collating day. Where you show up and you stuff the boxes and you get to pick out a game for your work helping them fill orders. And I just, I thought that was oh, fascinating. Cool. And yeah. so this was his original, original collating copy from when the gamers would, would do it near where he lives. So cool. Thank you, Carl. And then on a related note, I got a copy of North Africa, Africa Core, which is the SCS entry, which basically, and it even says it right on the box is this is DAC but streamlined to SCS. Okay, cool. So I will, uh, as I mentioned, when, when the game showed up, or we were talking about it at dinner one night or whenever it came up, that the office conference room will be <laughs> will be reserved for some DAC in North Africa action. So that's that's it for me. 
Yeah, that's it for me too. Like I said, I didn't pick up anything until last weekend. So yeah, I you know I didn't talk about we're here. So I didn't. I was saving the vendor for later, but let's we're on topic. We had a great vendor show up for Historic Fest, uh, Tuli's Toys with Diane and Dave and Catherine. Unfortunate circumstances where they had a close friend pass away that had a massive war game collection. And the individual's, I believe, sister reached out and said, hey, will you help me throw this stuff out? And they're like, whoa, 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 this is worth some stuff. And Diane from Tuli's Toys, um, which is what they call themselves in honor of, uh, I don't remember the gentleman's first name, Mr. Tuli passed away, uh, reached out to me, had no idea how it was going to go. And they showed up on Friday and just started carting boxes and boxes. And Nate, Nate leaned over to me and said, I just saw a copy of Downtown. I said, wow, that's pretty impressive. And so they got, they were setting up and I went over there and I think I was the first one to buy from them. I said, are you guys set up yet? And he said, yep, big boxes are this price and little boxes are this price. It's just size of the box. They were so friendly, so helpful, just so pleasant to like chat with a great group of people with an amazing deal on games. So I also walked out with a copy of Gringo's. Serpents of the Sea, nice. which is uh, Flying Colors, but that's the American Rev game, which I, right. I've talked about. Carl, another shout out to him, said, hey, man, aren't you looking for a copy of Serpents of the Sea? They have one in that box. Ran over there, grabbed that, and then that's when I grabbed Gringo and a whole bunch of other stuff. A whole bunch yeah. of War of the Rings stuff I've never played, always wanted to play. In a little game called Empires of the Middle Ages from Clash of Arms game, which just looks amazing and it came out yeah they had, had a huge selection i was in the middle of playing aso when mitch came over and he's like yeah they've got downtown over there and they told me i don't remember it was like a, a ridiculously low price which i already bought downtown for myself as a birthday gift a couple of years ago but yeah i mean great selection and then i think the second day everything was buy one get one free and then the third day was buy one get two free or something so no, buy two get one free and then buy one okay. get one free and then it was everything is half off buy one but honestly yeah. by the third day it was really slim pickings. On day two, a gentleman came by the con, and his buddy is like, hey, you got to get here and see this vendor. And I think he bought like three or four crates off them. Yeah. And well, that's when I got all those magazine games was on the last day. I got those Sunday morning. Yeah. At that point, I was good to go. Like, yeah, yeah I, I did plenty. So I did walk away with – my wife said something to me today. I was like unloading stuff and putting stuff away, and she's like, I thought you were going to like come back with a whole bunch of empty totes. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, but it was it was pretty good. So yeah. again, unfortunate circumstances, but I'm glad they found they walked away so happy. Yeah. And just so grateful for the opportunity to be at the convention. And I'm like, no, I th- like we as the war game nerds are thankful you are here enhancing our weekend with these amazing deals and just being super friendly. It was great. Yeah. It was, a great it was more than just war games too, because my wife picked up I don't know four, five, six games or something. Wow. And there was, there's like one, I know it was a co-op game where you play like Norse gods or something like that. And there was some other ones that were historic, but not, not war games. So she picked, like I said, she bought more than I did. And then I know she got their business card too. Cause I think they've got even more that they didn't bring. Um, Cause she was talking to them about like a, like doctor who RPGs and stuff that my other daughter might be interested in. So, wow. Yeah, I think one of the guys that does some mini stuff was talking to him. Because there was also minis that the the guy had collected as well. Yeah. So it was like, I don't know, wolves around that table. Once once people, once he was open, once they were open, and once the prices were clear, it was like people just swarmed. 
you see people walking away like six games stacked high. Yeah. And then they'd find something. They'd be like, oh, I just found an expansion for the guy that the game that this guy bought. Where's he at? And they'd like go <laughs> hand it to him. It's like, oh, it's yeah, really generous. So, yeah, because they had more games than table space at the beginning. So yeah. they put up more stuff. And- All right. Let's let's stick with things. We'll just keep following the usual order. Talk some books. So I am back at Cop Keating. Uh, I've talked about Red Platoon as one of the best nonfiction books I've ever read. And now I'm reading The Outpost by Jake Tapper, which I knew about the book. I've watched the Netflix movie and I've read Red Platoon. I just, I never got around to reading The Outpost, but then Mitch, Mitchell Land read that this year and he recommended it a lot. So I I finally started that. Is that Afghanistan? Yeah. So it's Afghanistan and it covers, Red Platoon is the final like confrontation at command outpost Keating after that, like it was closed down or like they, they moved it out on all this stuff. And it's where like, um, two, two individuals won the medal of honor and red platoon focuses on that day. The outpost is all the buildup to that situation. And then I'm sure it will end with that. And in, in the aftermath, I'm sure. Okay. And it's just a maddening book because Everyone realized, like, this is a terrible place to be. And so far, it's just been fuck-ups all throughout, like, just awful situations with helicopter pilots and medics being dropped down, but then, like, spinning so fast, the cable snap. Like, the book is very emotional. It's maddening. And I'm, like, not even into the, like, climate. I'm not even close to the actual big deal. And it's just, it's it was a terrible situation for everyone involved. Um, but the book is extremely well written. I think Jake Tapper is like a reporter or something like that. I don't, not certain. That sounds right. I think he works for CNN. I, th- I think so. And so this is, this is more red platoon is very focused from Clint Romache's perspective. It's written by him. He won the medal of honor, very focused on that day. This gives a lot of like background in Afghanistan and especially, um, Oh my gosh, I, I'm gonna forget the name of the province that it's that it's in. But re- anyways, that region, uh, very good. I'm about halfway through it, and it's probably gonna rank right up there with Red Platoon. I don't see it getting worse. It's it's awesome. one of the best nonfiction books I've read, and I'm not nice. done yet. So how how's the movie? Is it any mm, good? It's fine. Okay. Like, but the book is way better. I'm assuming. Y- yeah, I mean Red Platoon, it as well was just extremely emotional because it's this firsthand account. And the outpost is emotional because of the circumstances. Um, and I don't always like, I guess when I'm reading, I don't know, Steven Sears or something like that, I really enjoy his civil war books, but I'm never just like emotionally invested in the writing. Um, but something about these two books are just, they're just gripping and maddening and it's sad and both so of them highly it, recommended like you talk about emotional investment like along the lines of something like band of brothers yeah yeah okay. well and then nice. it's just it's also detailing a lot of human death and recent sure. u.s death and there's also things where it's talking about guys who just had children or were 
on the phone with their kids and then hopped onto a helicopter for a medvac and just awful things happen and it's yeah how it's written just evokes a response i know that obviously those circumstances happen all the time and for for some reason whenever i read like world war ii stuff most of the time it's not as like jarring i guess Interesting. I'll have to put that on my list. It sounds really good. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, uh, I mean, I read Red Platoon for, you can read whichever one first, I'm sure. It's just Outpost is more of a big picture that eventually gets there and Red Platoon, you just kind of start, uh, it gives a little bit on, um, I think it's 321 Cav, a little bit of like the formation of that. And then it, it really just throws you into the action immediately. And then if you want, like once you're done, then watch the movie and like, it's, it's fine. Like it's a, a war movie. All right. All right. What about you? What have you been reading, Rich? So I've been reading one book all summer. Well, th- really three, but <laughs> so I've been reading the uh, the Pacific Trilogy, Pacific Crucible, I think is the name of the first book by Ian Toll. Um, oh. And it's interesting because I've read a lot of Pacific War stuff, but never read this one just because, I mean, it's three books and they're, they're so big. Um, but I actually, I think I asked even on Discord, I'm like, you know, I've read a lot. Is it, is it worth it? to put in and, and to be fair, I'm listening, not actually reading on paper, but I mean, it's like the three books are something like 96 hours or I can't remember the exact number. It's crazy. I'm like, is it really going to be worth it? And everyone's like, yeah, it's really good. So, uh, they're absolutely right. It's definitely worth it. They're fantastic books. I'm, I'm loving reading them. I mean, to the point that, you know, like as soon as I finish one, I'm downloading is spending the credit, getting on the next one. So I'm about two and a half books in, I'm halfway through the third book and they're all just so good. Like if you've, you know, we read, uh, I don't remember the name of the book we read on midway last year, but, or a couple years ago, maybe I don't remember when it was, but you know, that was good and it was very detailed, but you know, just like the, the first book ends with the battle of Midway and it's got several chapters on it that are just all about Midway. And the second book starts with Guadalcanal and it's, it's really well written and it's so engaging that it just makes you want to play a game. You know, I'm like, as I'm reading the Guadalcanal stuff, I'm like, Oh, I got, I want to play a game. And the third book so far, it's been a little different. They, I think they started with Saipan and then they've sort of taken, um, maybe detours they've talked about political situations in both countries and they've talked about b-29s and submarines which is just fascinating because i've always loved submarines but i'm just i'm loving the books i'll finish them up probably sometime and before we record again and then i don't know what i'm going to read next because these are so good <laughs> uh red platoon and outpost yeah i guess so problem um, solved yeah and then the other thing I uh, sort of restarted reading, we talked about this a few months ago. I know I read Devotion, the Adam Makos book, but then I saw there's going to be a movie, which, you know, hopefully it'll be good, but it's coming out this November. I told my wife about it. I'm like, I read the book. It was really good. The movie's coming out. And she said, well, I'd like to read the book first before I see the movie, just because she always wants to do that. Um, and then, so we started listening to that one together. So we actually listened like most of the way on the way to Kansas city last week. So we got a few chapters in. Nice. Yeah. Nice. They, uh, that, that book, oh, different authors, um, is they plug it as related to the boys in the boat, which is a, a book I've, uh, often had recommended to okay. me. Haven't heard of that one. So Yeah. I, I'm always a little wary of the movie just because, sure. you know, you never know. You know, I mean, a movie is a different way to tell a story. And sometimes 
sometimes they highlight different things in the movie. So we'll see how it goes. But the book is great. And I'm definitely going to see the movie when it comes out. Nice. All right. Let's talk about some games. Yeah. So I think before we took a pause last time, we talked about the Columbia Block War games on Rally the Troops. Yeah. And since then, uh, a shout out to Patrick from our Discord. It was really his idea. We started playing Wilderness War. I know. I still haven't got to play that one yet. I've talked about my intro to Wilderness War. I think I'll just give a brief rundown. Like That was the first Hex Encounter war game I tried playing. And this is this is the game I've talked about where we sat down and we didn't even read the rules. We just opened it up and tried to start playing. And it was <laughs> <Yeah>. miserable. Okay? <laughs> Which is how I play every 18x <laughs> game online. <laughs> and I walked away and I was like, I don't know why people talk about this as one of the best war games <laughs> ever made. And I it took me until this summer to get back to it. And what's amazing is, gosh, I remember were like hunched over those rules trying to figure out how to even play what we should be doing and then i pull up the rules this summer and i was like these are easy and I, like i get it i've also been playing <laughs> right almost not exclusively war games but predominantly war games since then and so it, a lot sure. of that just becomes second nature so read through the rules and then start playing with well, now you can play a game without reading the rule book but you know where to look in the rule book right right <laughs> So we started, we played a game, it was great, and then we joked around about a tournament. And then, sure enough, we started the Patrick O'Leary's History on the Table, Kansas City Memorial, <laughs> French Indian War Awareness Pro-Am Tournament for the Wilderness. Otherwise known as the P-O-H-T-K-C-M-F-I. <laughs> just, just for the wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> and so we had, pull up our little bracket here. Two, four, six, eight, eleven people sign up. Uh, the winner gets a cool beer glass. If they win, they're allowed to take Patrick's name off the beer glass if they want. Uh, <laughs> so you, are they still going? It's still going. And cool. if you want a copy of the beer glass, there's a link in the show notes to our Teespring shop. But if you buy the beer glass and you're not the tournament winner, you have to buy it with Patrick's name on it <laughs> is the only uh, downside. I think I want to do that. I've been talking to Patrick. I've been playing another game with him that we'll talk about next month, uh, but hopefully he's going to come to Historic Fest next year. Yeah, well, he better, um, <laughs> because I bet by then we'll have the finals. Actually, the tournament's clipping along at, at quite a nice pace. Uh, we're kind of like spread across rounds because some games have just played faster than others. So I think we are waiting on the semifinals to to shake out uh we know some of our semi-finalists um but we're waiting on a, a couple other people to finish their games uh and that's gone well wilderness war rocks and i'm a little disappointed it took me this long to go from hey here's the first war game i played it doesn't make any sense i'll get back to it at some point it like six years or whatever from when i first played it and now i've dived in and it is a fantastic card-driven war game i don't know if i like it more than bayonets and tomahawks but a, a great great game yeah i saw bnt being played last weekend as well and i see that i keep seeing that game and, and i definitely want to play it I, I might try to see if someone i'm sure someone locally has it where i can play it at a, like a one of our game days so i can get some exposure to it sure yeah i, I was played a couple times and, and taught um at the con yeah uh, so what did you play this summer? Anything? 
Um, yeah, I started off, we talked about Paths of Glory last time. I think I was playing it then and I played it a few more times. That was kind of my game in June that I played the most of. Uh, I played online with Paul. I played a game, well, I played a couple turns with my wife. The thing about Paths of Glory, I'm enjoying it, but I can't seem to get enough momentum to get a full game in. And to be honest, I'm not sure how long a full game will take. It seems like I've played several games where we've gotten two or three turns in and it's just kind of petered out. So I don't know if I need to just schedule a day and make someone play with me or what, because I really want to see how that how the end game plays on that game. I'm enjoying it, but the game, um, the game really changes from the beginning through the course of the game. I mean, there are three separate decks for different mobilization levels and I want to play more of it and just haven't had a chance to get deep into it. I've only played it once. We didn't finish and I I never made my way back to it. So I can't comment on, I can't comment on the end game. Yeah. So I, I was playing more of that and that's, just kind of hold on now. I mean, Paul and I will probably get back to it. I think we're in either turn two or three and, you know, uh, Frenchie hit me up. Let me know when you got some time. Um, (laughs) and then, so the next game I played, I played this at a game day here locally. I played a game of Nevsky, which was fun. Um, I hadn't played that since we talked about it. So, when did we review that? It feels like maybe last winter. It would have been January or February's episode. Okay, yeah, that yeah. felt about right. So you know, there was a lot of like not knocking the rust off the rules and everything. Sure. Um, we played a scenario that I had never played before. We played like whatever the late scenario is, not not a full campaign, but you know, the one that just covers the end of the campaign period. So we played that one. So the map was already like, you know, everything was already <laughs> ravaged and it was wild. So it was fun. Uh, we had a great time. Um, and actually the friend that I played with, we played Nevsky during the day and then he went home after that and played Almarov at the same day. Wow. So he was totally into Levian campaign at the time. And Nevsky is one of those games that, one, it's very good. Two, it rewards knowing how to play it. Yes. And so so those two added together, you know, when you want to play it, you don't want to put it away. And unfortunately, I did because I have I found something else that I'm just <laughs> absolutely fascinated with right now. But um, Nevsky is just so good that I think... You know, maybe it'll be in a few months, maybe sometime this winter or something. But I think that's a game that I want to really devote like two months to. I hope it's in the cards at some future historic yeah. fest to bring. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah. To bring uh, Volko to historic fest. And, yeah, and absolutely. I, I, have in, I have informed Volko that there is a standing <laughs> open invitation when it is. I just don't know. The problem with doing things like that is you either have to like be an expert yourself and be committed to that all weekend or have the expert on hand. Sure. And so as much as I would love to feature some kind of levying campaign stuff, especially with all the titles coming out, mm-hmm. you could, you know, play three different games all weekend and, and be set or whatever. I just, I'm not the expert and I feel like you need that on hand. Yeah. And then finally, I have a game that I literally, I just, I can't take it off my table because it's so good. Um, I've been playing Pacific War and I've been playing this one for over a month now. And, and I mean, I'm just working my way through the scenarios and, you know, I'll post on Board Game Geek when I, I run into a rules problem. And usually people let me know pretty quickly, but it's, 
it is, it's crunchy and it's hard to wrap your mind around. I mean, the rule book is not great. I know what he tried to do with, you know, there's basically, there's, there's like four rule books in the game. There's a full rule book. There's one just for the, uh, and I'm going to mess up the order, but like the engagement scenarios, then the battle scenarios, then the campaign scenarios, and then the strategic scenarios. I think that's what, but everyone has its own rule book, which is basically just the rule book, the full rule book with stuff cut out that you don't need. Okay. And it's fine. But I mean, there are things in, in there that are confusing. You know, there's, there's, there's not a sequence of play ever listed in the book, but there's a huge player aid that has the sequence of play, like if you know what you're looking for. So it's weird things like that. But the thing that fascinates me about this game is every time I ask a question about the rules or if I dive into it and figure it out myself, every time there's never been a rule that once you understood it, it didn't make sense. Everything mm. is like, oh yeah, obviously that that's the way it should be. It's 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 an interesting game because it's so big and deep and complicated, especially. And I haven't even made it into like the full campaign scenarios yet. I'm working my way through the battle scenarios, but they're all so good and so crunchy. And I mean, you've got this huge game that weighs like I don't know twenty <laughs> pounds or something, and you can sit down and it's even got. So it's got two full maps that cover the entire Pacific, but it's also got this smaller map that covers like Northern Australia and the Solomon Islands. That map easily fits on a small table and you can sit down and play that map. And there's lots of scenarios for that map that play in anywhere from an hour to two, three, four hours. It'd be perfect for a game day. And they're just so good. I mean, there's interesting decisions. They feel like Pacific War. It's got a great strategic feel. There's been like several times that I've like finished a scenario and I'm looking at my other games on my shelf and I'm thinking, eh, I want to play. I got a whole list, obviously, of things that I want to play, but I, I can't take this game off my table because I just like it so much. Okay. First off, how dare you? Because now I'm thinking like, do I have time to make this September's featured game? And the answer is no, I don't. But holy cow, do I want to play this? To be uh, fair, I did say this was going to be the year of Naval War Gaming. That's so. true. <laughs> Let me ask you this. When yeah. this game first came out, and you uh-huh. you may remember this, there sure. was a guide posted on Consum World of, if you want to learn Pacific War, here's the approach you should take. Okay. Whatever that guide said, what's your opinion on... Okay, if I was going to pull Pacific War out, do I start with just reading the engagement rules rulebook or the battle rules rulebook? Do I read hmm. the full thing? What Where do I start? Probably start with, and again, I might be messing up the order. I think the engagement scenarios are the simplest ones. Okay. I would skim the engagement. In fact, if you open up the core rulebook, it tells you, close this book right now, go grab the engagement book. Oh, okay. S- skim that one. Look it over, you know. Uh, look it over. That's all you need to do. Don't read it in depth and just jump into engagement scenario number one, which is Pearl Harbor. Okay. All you have to do is like pull counters out and roll a few dice and assign hits because the U S doesn't get to do a damn thing. Japanese, all you're learning is basically how an airstrike works. 
it takes 15 minutes. Okay. It takes longer to set it up than it does to play it <laughs> because you got to find the counters. Engagement <laughs> scenario number two, I think, is Wake Island or maybe Savo Island. I can't remember. And it teaches you the next thing. So you go through them. At some point, you go through the engagement scenarios. You don't even necessarily need to do all of them. You're going to be like, okay, I got this. Let's move on to the battle scenarios, which will teach you a little bit more. And then... Maybe you don't want to play all the battle scenarios. You go on to the campaign scenarios and you do the simpler, shorter ones. So each one is going to be a step up in uh, how many of the things you're going to use. And even the sequence of play that's on the player aid, it's got like a line for uh, a row for each scenario type. And some of them are shaded out. So like if you're doing battle scenarios, you don't have to worry about half of it, literally. All you have to do is these things right here. And even like in the, and the engagements or the the if you play a battle scenario, you're gonna do the battle parts of it over and over again. Like you might do it ten times in a row because you're going through twenty one days on the calendar or something. Okay. Yeah. Nice. It's just so good. I mean, it I feels like a Pacific War game. It's so good. And it's interesting. I was actually we were at a happy hour with some local guys, Mitch and some other guys are there, and I said, This game makes me want to play Empire of the Sun again. And I think Mitch understood me because he looked at me like I was crazy. I don't mean that this game is not as good as is not as good as Empire of the Sun, because it's it's better. Ooh. But you can see the same bones in both games. And Empire of the Sun, which is not at all a light war game, is light compared to this one. And it kind of made, it it doesn't make me want to play Empire of the Sun instead of this. It makes me want to play Empire of the Sun in addition to this. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Well, you've talked it up, and now <laughs> it's now so I good. It's and I can't take you. it off my table. Every time I've tried, I've been like, "No, nah, I'm gonna play one more." It's like, and like I don't know if you ever played uh, the video game Civilization, the whole one sure. more turn thing. But it's like one more scenario. I can't get it off my table. Rich. Yeah. Oh, number two. Well, I'm empty. Do we need to take a break? <laughs> no. Well, unless you really want one. That's up to you. Maybe later. We'll see how I do. Okay. I still got my... Yeah, I got, the thing I like about... So I like... My wife bought me one of those ice cube trays that makes like really big ice cubes for mixed drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't melt as fast. So you just get one nice big one that cools it down. And then afterwards you get like the the bourbon flavored water at the end which is like second drink dessert for your drink yeah, yeah it's second good. drink yeah so that's what i'm working on now very good well grab your second drink and buckle, <laughs> buckle up folks it's it's time for stork fest yeah i heard about that it was great first of all thank you matt you did a great job and and not just you but and again i'm gonna miss people's names but everybody that was wearing hawaiian shirt thank you very much yeah so <laughs> i'll i'll cover that um <laughs> The there's three individuals that and there's lots of people to think, but Mike and Nate and James um, all agreed to be ambassadors, answer questions, teach games, and really be uh, sounding boards. Like that's a bad idea, or <laughs> hey, how can we improve? And it's it's already paying dividends this year as we we look at how to pr- improve for 2023. Um, each year we've learned new things. And I gotta, I gotta tell you that I think this year went better than I was anticipating because the last three months, like work wise, just kicked my ass. And I kept telling the guys like, "Hey, let's get a call, new baby." <laughs> right? I didn't even get to that yet. And like, 
so I thought it'd be fine with just like having the new baby. Like, okay, I know this is coming. Let's, you know, I'll work, get what I need to get done before June. But then like, as soon as I got back to work time, I thought I'd have for like planning stuff. Like I'd still just have a crazy workload. So, uh, those guys, very special thanks to Mitchell land and Mike Denson for being our featured designers and the ASL, um, the ASL Kansas city group, Dave Rasky, Dan best, for doing the entire ASL thing on their own. I didn't have to, <laughs> they helped promote it. They ran it. They brought the supplies. They, they did all of that and they did a great job as they always do. And then, um, the individuals that helped me set up, including yourself and Don and Bill and, uh, Bill stayed, Bill was the last one out and he helped me <laughs> walk around the room and helped me load up my car. And we just stayed and chatted for a while. So thank you. And then really everyone who just came, the new people we met, you know, the, the guys from Omaha and the guys from Columbia and where the guys from Chicago all over the place. Just great meeting everyone. So thank you for everyone who came. Yeah, it was a good time. It was appreciated. Everyone had a good time. Well attended. Um, I I don't know what your numbers were, but it seemed like there was more people there than the last year. And the venue was great. I would definitely stick with that venue if it's i don't know whatever whatever other factors are there but the venue was better than it was last year yeah so we would only improve i am i don't know if it'll happen but i'm at least getting proposals and i'm meeting with a guy who is at a hotel next to jack stack uh not the jack stack that everyone goes (laughs) to but jack stack would be a walking distance uh, but those are just like, okay, do we want to improve? And, and we don't need to go into the details on that. And it was a big uh, increase from last year. Um, after the end of the day on Saturday, we had surpassed our, our goal. So that's great, which just means we keep doing this thing and just keep getting better and better. So an amazing turnout. Thank you, everyone who came. And, yeah, we had some cool shit going on. So we had the ASL tournament, the Summer Sizzler. We had the last 100 yards tournament, and with those returning, we're going to start doing big old trophies that are historic, That so they track back to the first year, which was last year. We'll track the winners for those. We have the Learn to Plays with Mitch. Mitchell ran a Learn to Play Vietnam, and then a Learn to Play Next War Iran. Yeah. A little demo of a prototype. Which it, is cool. We had Greg Schmitkins, you know, one-third of Hamtag, basically volunteering his time to teach if you had reached out to him beforehand he would teach you any game you asked for with within reason and then brought his own games and he is a fantastic teacher of games we had others just volunteer to to teach games uh gentleman was running blue and gray don was running pub battles mm-hmm. um it was all, all kinds of stuff so some really cool events i too like the venue i think the green mill which was the restaurant attached to it was very disappointing, but <laughs> I never made it over there. <laughs> it was kind of, it's kind of crappy. It's no vans. Let me just say that. For the, no, no chiles. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but you know what? They had beer and it was one night. Like I just got super busy and like never got a chance to go grab dinner. So I just walked over there and Mike Denson and I uh, split a pizza. So it's nice to at least have it there, even if it's not the best. Uh, I already talked about the vendor. I don't know. Is there anything? We had prizes for every participant. We had free things getting passed out. We had prizes for participating in the learn to plays or 
winning the tournaments or whatever, you name it. So if you walked out of there empty handed, it's because you <laughs> left your copy of Pandemic at the convention. I'm holding on to it. Yeah, I think uh, I think if you walked out of there empty handed, you were probably just walked into the room by accident. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It was the you even s- had food in there and food and, you know, snacks and. Yeah, you, hour. we yeah. had two different breakfasts, and I think I learned, like, always have protein at the breakfast. So, like, first breakfast <laughs> was all pastries, right. and that was fine. And then the second one was, like, eggs and bacon and biscuits and gravy and stuff. And it was hotel stuff, like, it, it, but, like, it was good to have protein yeah, and all of those things. And, like, I thought the snacks were fine. Like, it was nice around 3 o'clock to get some, like, substance in your gut. And Did yeah. you have barbecue? Like yeah, every most people I talked to did some kind of barbecue, so that's. I good. think I still have eight happy hour tickets. Can I still cash those in? Or? <laughs> yeah, and we had a happy hour um, on Friday night. I didn't know I was going to stay Saturday night. I only knew I was staying Friday night, and so like I, I got my money's worth out of that bar for sure. Um, I don't know. Do you? Is there anything else just generally you want to say about the the event or anything, or do you want to talk about what we played? Not generally. I mean, the space was great. I, I mean, it was, it was like the perfect size where, you know, there was not like there was a bunch of empty space, but people weren't overcrowded and it was great. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, I was like, oh boy, we're going to have to like condense in. And I did a little bit, Yeah. Um, but we could have gotten creative and just like been a little bit more efficient. So we have some room to grow in that space. I like the size we're at. Obviously, if we get bigger, that's just more stuff we can provide for people. Um, and so we'll go from, we'll go from there. And I thought the hotel was, uh, was fine. I mean, it was a holiday inn, but it was a holiday in suites and it's fine. It was a place to sleep and wander yep. up. Yep. I had no complaints about the room, but I didn't spend all that much time in there. So. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's, let's talk some games then. I think so overall big picture, great time went better than I expected. Met some great people. I'm sure I'm forgetting people. The guys from Columbia, Oh man, the right in between us—they were—they were great. Uh, Lynn and Walt, we closed out the con with them playing 1832. The the last hundred yards champ returned, Brian Vanacek. He did not advance to the finals, but uh, Les, the skin in the game, is back to back skin in the game champion. We have a new overall champion, but it was just new faces, old faces. It was great. I'm yeah, so much energy for next year. We're already getting proposals. We're talking about, I think, hopefully here I stand, Virgin Queen. Some big multiplayer stuff. It's going to be a good time. Let's talk about what we played. So I played a game, a little game called Advanced Squad Leader. Nice. I don't know if you heard of that game before. Some people would say it's the greatest game ever made. Yeah. No one says that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's great. I, this is, I can't remember the last time I played it face to face, but it's been years. I mean, it was definitely pre-COVID and it was probably a couple years pre-COVID actually. So um, I, I play a decent amount on Vassal, never enough, but uh, you know, I get, I get to scratch that itch now and then, um, but playing face to face is so much better. And I mean, I met a guy that I've never met before we played and it was great because we were both at about the same experience and skill level. So, uh, but the guys there were great, you know, we're constantly yelling over there and like, Hey, how does this rule work? Stuff like that. Cause it's quicker to ask them than look it up. But we had a great time. We played literally all day Friday. We played a nine turn scenario that went about eight hours. And, um, but it wasn't too complicated because there was one vehicle and everything else was infantry. So it was pretty simple. It was just long and we had a great time. So it was 
so good, and I want to play more ASL. You played with Matthew Velasquez. He's in KCASL yeah. guy. Yeah, he's a local guy, yeah. Yeah, part of the for Kansas Local City for you, yeah. Historical <laughs> gaming group as well. Nice. Yeah. Very nice guy. Yeah, very. Nice. Uh, I played our featured game. I played Next War Vietnam with uh, Dr. Don, and yeah. I wish we had more time with it. So how did you guys do it? Did you start from uh, uh, one of the scenarios? Did you play advanced or standard? What did you do? Yeah, so we played advanced. We did our shopping beforehand, and we did the, not the complete surprise, but the next level up, so not extended build-up. So tactical tactical surprise. surprise. Okay. Um, Hindsight, we probably should have done extended build-up, but I've been playing extended build-up this week. There's actually not that, in this case, there's not that much of a difference I'm trying to think specifically what the differences were. I know you get some more of the defense forces. For I played the uh, the Vietnamese. He played uh, China, mm-hmm. and oh, all your aircraft starts. You lose like half your aircraft to start the game. Um, That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Or they they go to flown. You, they're not right. destroyed. Right. Um, with extended buildup, you have them all available. I think um, if. If I'm wrong on that, I, <laughs> I played with them all available. It didn't make so a difference. So if you use an aircraft, you played advanced? Yeah, we played advanced, okay. which I got home, and then I was like, I need to spend some more time with Vietnam. And I was like, oh, let me just do some standard stuff. And immediately I was like, oh, I kind of miss supply. And yeah. I'm like, I, so I just went right back to advanced. Because, yeah. well, we'll, we'll I'm, I'm jumping the gun a little bit because Next War Vietnam is our featured game. And I've I've thoughts on that, so yeah. we'll get to that. We'll stick with Doctor Don because I played Public Battle Pub Battles Gettysburg with him. We played that on Saturday morning, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Um, and it was fun. Uh, he was there to teach that, so I saw him teaching some other people on Sunday morning as well. So he was he was playing that quite a bit this weekend. Um, it's nice setup, you know. It's a it's called Pub Battles because it's it could make a good you know pub pub game or a coffee shop game it's a small two by two map maybe i might be wrong about that but that's approximate um the pieces are you know blocks they look like a like a kriegspiel game or something like that but they are hidden so your opponents can't necessarily see what's coming but it's not like you take a number of steps or anything because your first step you flip it up second step you retreat third step you're destroyed destroyed so it's pretty simple um not a whole lot of complication to it but there are a bunch in the series and it was fun to play it was a fun you know relatively light war game where you you know you got to maintain your your lines and uh you know i was playing we, we played two on two and um i was playing sort of against my wife in that one and i think if you don't understand the retreat rules it's going to get pretty ugly for you because you have to maintain your lines you have to make sure you don't retreat through your own guys and things like that so we ended up winning pretty quickly because we just sent our cav in to take out their supply train it was a fun game we enjoyed it everyone that played it that i saw was enjoying it nice and that's the game that has like the chains or whatever to to measure out movement and range yeah he had i mean they kind of looked like pipe cleaners but they were like a little more substantial than that but there's one size for infantry and another size for cav and it's divided into thirds because you know, you can do your full movement or you basically lose a third for turning or lose a third for going over terrain. It's pretty simple, but it, it basically divides everything into thirds on the, the movement piece. Okay. 
Nice. Uh, yeah. The same time on Saturday morning, I played Brotherhood and Unity with Rex and Bill. So this has been on my two playlist for a very long time. And I don't know why I waited so long, because this is actually a very straightforward game. To the point where when I was reading the rules, I was like, I don't know about this. And then you get a little bit deeper in the rule book, and there's some interesting things going on. And then when you play the game, I really liked it. Uh, it's a three-player game covering Bosnia uh, in the early 90s. and It's a CDG, right? Yeah, I mean, it is, but it's not. It's a very light CDG. Okay. It's and it's just it's a good, fine, solid game that I think has room for interesting decisions. It's not it's not the best war game I ever played, but it does do three or one v one v one. Um, so it works good as a three player game, which not every war game can say that. And you don't have to divide up sides. So that's a that's a compass game from twenty twenty. Yeah, one side's playing. Uh, what is it? It's Oh my gosh, I, I probably should have like looked it up. Uh, I guess it would be like Serbs, Croats, Serbs. and Bosnians. You got it. You got it. Okay. That's exactly what it is. Uh, and what's interesting is as you take objectives, you kind of piss off the world. And if you <laughs> piss off the world enough, you start anyone, whether you're the Serbs, the Croats, or the Bosniaks, will take airstrikes if you make the world mad enough. And you can kind of like hide some cities under UN markers. And so that's where the game kind of gets interesting is measuring like the public opinion versus your objectives otherwise it's a pretty like you have to do enough damage let's say they have a defense rating of six you have to hit them for at least six if you hit them for five they're not going to take a step loss and if you hit them for seven and they have two sixes there they're only going to take six anyways okay so very straightforward in that regard it's more just a balance of public opinion versus the actions you carry out and that's where like that's where the game shines. Otherwise, it's kind of just a solid point-to-point war game. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of watched over your shoulder, at least for a few minutes. So the thing I thought was interesting about the game is so that had a, a, a big map with point-to-point and then, um, was it Sarajevo or whatever the capital city is? Yeah, Sarajevo. It had... I mean, almost like maybe a quarter of the entire map was a cutout of that, which had point to point inside itself too. So yeah, and it's that's super um, important for one faction to yeah. break out of Sarajevo. Okay. Um, and if like I kind of just let it fall, but it's it's a big point swing for that must be the Bosniaks. Okay. Oh, it was good. Like. I, I'm going to keep my copy and I'll play it. And it's like a good, once you know it, like I think you can just kind of tuck it away and pull it out yeah. if you need something because it's not a very hard rules teach either. <laughs> to be fair, I, I won't even say we. I shit on Compass from time to time. So it's nice to see a nice Compass game out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It probably needs some errata, but we know how they <laughs> feel about that. No comment. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll move on to the next game. <laughs> um, I played Pax Perferiana, which awesome. I enjoy. I haven't. I think I played that last year at AAC Con. Um, it's probably a game that I get out maybe once a year or so. It's it's in the Pax series. So I have only ever played Pamir and Perferiana, but there's Renaissance and Vikings and Transhumanity, and I am not the guy to tell you what's the same and different of all of those. I just know that it's a series. But I've played Pamir 
mostly and Perfurion is second. Um, I still like Premier the best, but I do like Perfurion a lot. It's played um, basically during the, the Mexican Civil War, like the end of the 19th century. Um, the president of Mexico is uh Diego Porfiria, I think his name or something like that. No, Porfiria Diaz. That sounds right. Um, and you play Hacendadas, which are Mexican eh, lords is not really the right word, but rich guys. And you're, you're trying to topple him. So there are four topple cards during the game. And each topple card has different... Basically, Diaz has a different weakness during each card. So you kind of wait for the, your moment based on what your strengths are, and you push for your topple card at that t- point in time. And at the end of the game, if all four topple cards pass and no one is able to successfully topple him, uh, you just, uh, you, whoever has the most gold wins. But it's a fun game. I mean, if you've played Pamir, which we have a lot online especially, it's got similarities, but differences too, where it's, it's definitely a different game, not just a, a new skin of the same game. And I enjoy it quite a bit. It's a lot of fun. We played that on Saturday afternoon. Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I wandered over there and almost, Brandon said you guys already had four. And I was like, ah, should I play? Because I was, <laughs> I was signed up to order... Don and I were going to play Strad Manakaki, but he was playing Bayonets and Tomahawks first. I was like, should I jump into Porfiriana and I wandered over there at some point. I was like, are you guys on your second game? And he was like, no, we're on our first. I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. it's probably best I didn't join this. Yeah, we went to the fourth topple and someone actually won on a topple. So we didn't go to gold, but I think, no, actually they won on the third topple because I was waiting for the fourth one because I had, basically I was I was setting myself for, for a specific topple card and hmm. it didn't come up third, so it would have come up fourth, but very good. Well, I I closed out, and there there's smaller stuff splattered splattered in here, but and we'll talk about those in the last. These are just things we wanted to highlight the most. Yeah. Uh, so I closed out the convention with 1832, which was uh my plan from six months ago. Is <laughs> here's a game that's not on Dot Games. It's a great oh, okay. Bill Dixon design that involves straightforward mergers. So you're not like. You're not at the 41 level or where you have like reverse mergers and companies buying each other or 1817 where you have all kinds of stock shenanigans. It's, here's some shenanigans uh, set in the southeast. And we played six player. Uh, we had a we had a six oh, player wow. join us. I can't. Yeah, we had. Yeah, because we used a full table. Um, we had a six player join us day of and it was just awesome. Um, we had. You know. Some, four of us kind of all knew each other and then uh lynn and walt drove up from columbia and they were there and they had played 18 xx games but they hadn't played this or with us you know if i'm playing with someone new i'm not gonna like dump all over them but lynn dumped a company on me that led to me dumping <laughs> a company on walt and walt had never played 32 before and then like i felt bad because like he barely scratched by so he scratched by you know got enough cash to buy a train and then, like, we went on for a little bit, and the game ended, like, we were like, oh, man, we got to be done by 540 so Walt can get right. dinner. And then, like, we were done at, like, 350 because if, like, three players were going to, or just two players were going to go bankrupt on the same turn, it was just a matter of who had to buy the train first. It ended up being Walt, all from the company that got dumped on me from his friend Lynn, and then I dumped on him. Anyways, uh, it was a fantastic game. 
Cool. I've never played it because it's it's not on game, so I haven't played it. Is it similar to any other game that I would know? Seventy. Seven. Oh, okay. I know seventy. It has. Well. It has. Okay. It shares like price protection with seventy. Okay. Um, but you can merge into a system, which makes your two companies one like twenty share company. Interesting. Um, and it allows you what that lets you do is basically manipulate uh, forced train purchases. Like you can make it look like your company doesn't own a train by <laughs> moving them between one hand of the system and the other hand of the system. <laughs> okay. And so like you can get, you can force train buys instead of being train locked. Yeah. Uh, it's just okay. a good, good, uh, fun map, fun companies. Cool. That's the, uh, do you know if anyone is working on that for dot games? I don't, I have no idea. But it's home of the Fecker, um, Florida East Coast <laughs> Eastern Florida Eastern Coastal Railway. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, that's the palm tree in their logo. When we talked about our favorite eighteen X logos, okay, it's sure. the Fecker. All right. <laughs> uh, I closed out the con with playing Maria on Sunday morning, which is a three-player game of the War of Austrian Secession, and we actually played it with four because we had a couple players that were just learning. Two of us had played it a few times before. One guy had played Frederick a number of times, which is the brother or cousin game or whatever you want to call it to Maria. Similar enough games that actually on Maria, there are cards in the game that says, if you've played Frederick, here are the differences. So I think it's kind of akin to Here I Stand in Virgin Queen, that kind of thing. Um but it's a it's made meant to be a three player game. We played it as four, and honestly, it played really well as four, which I've never done it that way. I've always played it as three, because really there are four powers in the game. But the way the game is set up, so it it's the four powers are Austria, France, Prussia, and the uh, oh, what are they called? The uh, like, coalition? No, no, yeah, coalition. But there's there's another the pragmatic army. That's that, what they're yeah, called. Okay. Yeah, so Prussia and Pragmatic are played by the same player, even though they're not they're not allies or anything, but it's just sort of a quirk of the map where Prussia fights against Austria, the Pragmatic Army fights against France, France and Austria fight against each other and also against the other two. So but it played just fine as four players and we enjoyed it quite a bit. So we did, we only played, I think two years of it just cause it was almost one o'clock and you know, we were getting ready to head home. So uh, the full game I think is a four year game. So we played about half of it and everyone had a good time. We just decided to call it there. Great. It's a game I've wanted to revisit, but never got around to it. Yeah. All right. Uh, other stuff. We played Dutch inner city. Which is <laughs> probably my game of the year. Yeah, you, you love it. I love it. it. It's such a mind crunch and a bluffing and just, it's so good. It's hard to like value how much is something is worth. Like you can kind of think about it and you think you have a good value on it, but then things change. I want that to be whatever convention I go to is play Dutch in or Cine. Yeah, then, I've got to play that with you sometime. Oh, so good. And then we played Ponzi Scheme. <laughs> I got invited to that game and did not be playing it because it was, it was like 9 o'clock on Saturday night. And I think what I told Rex was, if I'm going to start playing another game right now, then I'm going to have to start drinking as well. <laughs> and you should have because Ponzi Scheme <laughs> was totally worth it. Uh, yeah. It was such a game of... It's just so good. And it's trying to guess like how much people, how much money people have 
and yeah. how much it's it's really what it boils down to is how much one borrowing way more money than you can ever pay back so okay. someone will go bankrupt <laughs> you just want to be the last or not, not even the last one standing you don't want to be the first one to fail okay so does game end when one person goes bankrupt right and so then you okay. look at victory points and so then it's a game of balancing that i need enough cash to pay off my debts and i just need to have enough cash so that Lawrence goes bankrupt first. Yeah. If he does that, it's a question of how much guessing how much someone values something because let's say I'm going to pick up a red stock and I'm going to hand you cash and I'm going to set a value at this red stock. Okay. I'm going to secretly hand you the cash. You have a choice. You can either keep the cash and I get your red stock or you can put the same amount of cash back in the envelope and you get my red stock. So a transaction always happens. It's just who's the buyer, who's the seller. And then it becomes a game of like, how much does rich actually value this victory point piece? Interesting. It's so good. Not as good as Dutch inner city, but it is funnier. <laughs> I would, I would see this like also being a staple, like a great late night screwing each other just trying to predict how broke people are we played um jeremy was like i i could have sworn that he had enough cash in and out of the game and he was so broke but he never like i'm sure i would have tilted my hand if i didn't have enough cash like right away like oh boy i'm screwed no no idea and then it came around and he wasn't even close to having enough cash the game ended it was it was good ponzi scheme nice that definitely sounds like i should have started drinking yeah 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 i played shadow <laughs> of we did Alien RPG. That was yeah, great. Yeah, and Stratomagogi went to like a shootout with eight rounds. Yeah. They're watching the whole thing. I was excited. It was. We we didn't do overtime. We're like, let's go to shootout. We're here. We're at the con. We did 99-2000, and it was Canes versus, uh, I was going to say Penguins as a joke, uh, but it was the Flyers. Yeah. I, I knew exactly who we played, silly, but yeah. I was like, wouldn't it be funny if I said Penguins? Yeah. And you GM'd an alien RPG game, which was amazing. That was, yeah, was so fun. much fun. I like that system. It was just, I mean, it was fun. It was, you know, I mean, it, it, it was nice because no one there, as far as I knew, except for you, knew anything about the system. But you just handed us character sheets and we're just like, hey, let's play. And, you know, we all had fun. The dice were simple to interpret. Um, you did a good job of like, pushing us into accepting more dice and stuff like that, which can have good and bad effects, but yes. it was a lot of fun. Yeah. That's the highlight of that system is those panic dice. Yeah. Yeah. And so any opportunity to push those on you. Yeah. I was going for it. It was kind of, I had to really condense the scenario, which, which is just fine. It's more of the experience when you're doing a one shot at a con, mm-hmm. you're just trying to wrap up and get done, but it's one just shots like so are hard because yeah. One shots, especially with new players, right. you know, what's meant to be a two or three hour game can easily go to four or five hours. And then it becomes, you know, do the players really want to sign up for four or five hours? So right. one shots are tough. Yep. Uh, it was a blast, though. And it was cool. Like, I talked to Brian afterwards, and I think he had mentioned, like, he had never played RPGs before. Um, and 
let's see, Brian, Jeff, Mike, Rex. Rex had never played an RPG before, and he did an amazing <laughs> Everyone job playing Everyone is shitting Z-Man. on him the whole game. Oh, my gosh, he just leaned into it. And then he said something. <laughs> he, he, like, said something, and, like, I corrected him, and he's like, no, that's what my character's saying. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you're role-playing. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was, it was so much fun. That was, I don't even know how that started, but I think I think Mitch basically just said that Rex couldn't read couldn't or something, read. and everyone went with it. <laughs> yep, that sounds good. Yeah, uh, I had a lot. The other of fun. game I played was a game played game of innovation, which we've talked about before, and I mean that's the perfect. You know, you got you got an hour to kill. You throw down that little deck of cards. I didn't even have mine, but Rex had his with him, so we borrowed his and and taught it to uh, actually. Um, uh, the same guy that I played ASL with. So we played a game Matt. of innovation. Yeah. Yep. Very good. That's uh that's historic fest folks. There was, I put up a playlist of everything that was played um, to a certain extent and what I could remember. And some other people put some stuff up. Um, it was just a good, what was the total number? Had to be what? 50, 60 more, maybe. I think it was more than that. I had it in the spreadsheet, wow. but then some more got added. Okay. Um, so actually I have my, no, probably around 50, 60. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of games. Yep. Good stuff. Uh, and a good spread. Like, we had Euro games and trend games and obviously all kinds of war games. So, speaking of war games, how do you like that? Uh-oh. It's time. It's time for the game of games. It's the war game game. Come on it down. Is, it is the game that everyone is waiting for. Everyone except for me. It's been three months. Are you now ready? Now is your chance to show that you are smarter than me. Rich, hand on the buzzer, sir. All right. I get my free guess. Yes, you do. Should we explain the game? Okay. So there's a game that I've thought of. It's a published game, um, which I guess is a clue. Um, that I have thought of, and Rich gets <laughs> yeah, that counts as a clue to guess. And every time I give him a clue, he loses a possible point. So he gets a free guess, meaning he gets ten points. If I give him seven clues, that means he only gets uh, like three or four points. However, yeah. however that math works out. What's the best I've ever done? Six or seven, probably. Oh, <laughs> Rich, please come on. <laughs> <laughs> come on, I've done that well. Uh, there was one that I got lucky on. I think so, but yeah. gen- the average is more <laughs> yeah. like two or three. <laughs> All right. Well, I know what game it is. Okay. Matter. It's SPQR. No. Oh, damn it. This is a World War II game. <laughs> SPQR is World <laughs> War II, isn't it? <laughs> oh, well, there's not that many World War II games, so this should be easy. Sure. Um, Enemy action, Arden. No. Okay. This game is set in the Pacific Theater. All right. Here we go. We're in my wheelhouse, at least. Ah, uh, let me think. I think there's a game that's uh, oh, what's the what's the name of that Guadalcanal game? I can't think of that, so I have to think of something else. How about no, that's not Pacifics. Um, let's say Flat Top. No. Okay. The right back to the right sheet. This game uses blocks. Ooh. Okay. Um. What is the triumph and tragedy game that uses the blocks it's called is it conquest and consequences or something like that that is the name that's not the game okay all right 
good. So at least I got the right name. But well, game. yeah, conquest <laughs> and consequence. No, okay, no plural, yeah. but yeah, close enough. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, no, but that's not it. Okay. Uh, this game was released in 2021. Wow. New game. Uh, Tarawa. You got it. Yay. There we go. What'd I get? Is that six? Uh, that's six. You got six nice. points. Nice. Awesome. I, I thought it may be too easy. No, it's not too easy. It took me four clues to get you it. Didn't even, yeah, but... It's hard. You didn't even get to 60% of the clues. <laughs> I, I didn't get to the rhyming. Nope. I don't know what I was going to do. I told you beforehand <laughs> I only got down to three clues. And then I realized as I was looking at my cheat sheet that I only got down to... Sorry, I, not three clues. I got down to four. I had seven clues listed. I had eight, <laughs> I had eight clues listed. And then I realized that clue number two that I read to you and clue number eight. So the second and second to last were the same clue. I I used Pacific twice. I was like, well, shit, I can't do that. So really, I only had seven clues prepared. That's all right, because I am an expert at this game. Peeling back the curtain. (laughs) All right. Speaking of expert, it's time for next war. That is a great segue. Thank you. But before we get to that, we have some news and updates on our patron pick. So we have a Patreon. You can support the show if you support at the right level. You get to nominate a game we play and talk about. And so uh, Reds, and I had told Patrick, just I'm not screwing him over here, that it may be August and maybe September's episode. So Patrick picked Reds from GMT. That will be one of September's games. And this is the game that I sort of alluded to earlier. I've been playing this one with Patrick. So, yeah. So far, so good. We're going to keep playing it. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it more next month. Yeah. Just wanted to give an update where that was because I think we may have mentioned it or like revealed the poll and said, oh, yeah, we're also doing Reds. So, yeah. give us a month on Reds. Give me more time with Reds. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the meantime, we'll talk Next War Vietnam. Next War India Pakistan was one of the first games. I ranked. I think it was PR, pre-rich. I think it was PR. Yeah, it was. Uh, episode 7. And so we're finally going back to Next War with Next War Vietnam. This is a 2020 release by GMG Games. The designer is Mitchell Land. I know that guy. And the short of it is... Rich, let me ask you a question. Sure. Did you know that China invaded Vietnam in 1979? Did I know that, like, right now? Yes, I knew that. Did you know that before you played Next War Vietnam? Like, just a general, was that a, like a general piece of history so you had tucked away? I think I found that out when I was reading the scenarios. Okay. Because uh, I did not. Yeah. I think that's when I found out. Because it mentions in one of the scenarios that it's like the third Indochina War or whatever. But yeah, that's when I found that out. So that's the what if here proposed in Next War Vietnam is tensions rise between the... Uh, SRV, the Soviet Republic of Vietnam, is that what it's called? Uh, I I yeah. always assumed it was South. Oh, no, no, because it wouldn't be South Vietnam. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Socialist, probably. Well, well now's the point in the show where we Google. It is socialist. That makes way more sense than Soviet. Because <laughs> then, I, you know, before we started, I was like, "Wow, they really okay." Socialist yeah. Republic of Vietnam versus China. So it's a what if of tensions mount between them. And China invades. Uh, yeah. And China kind of invades on uh, two fronts. Yep. And it's, I think, 
the so our comparison here is I know you've played Korea. I think we'll use next morning to Pakistan because that's what I'm most familiar with. Yeah, it's fine. I played them all. So what's interesting here, I think, is so that's the setting. China's invading Vietnam, doing seventy nine all over again, and China's advancing on two kind of fronts. Mm-hmm. Um, they have two main routes into Vietnam. Um, this isn't really if you kind of take if you peel away the the strategic map, and you're just looking at Vietnam. This really isn't any more. It's the fifth game in the series. It's no more advanced than India Pakistan. Um, I would say even if you take away kind of all the at sea stuff, it's maybe even more straightforward than India Pakistan. The big change here, and Mitch even mentions this, is really just the introduction of jungle terrain. Right. And other than that, it's just a here's a new what if with next one. It's not a bad thing or anything. It's just like a what's different in game five? Well, not a lot. It's just here's a new hypothetical. We've introduced some new terrain. And here's the piece for you to combine Korea, Taiwan, and Vietnam. Yep. And so that's and what, the map. The map itself is really just North Vietnam. Right. And I don't mean that like as a country because yeah. there is no more South Vietnam, but the northern part of Vietnam. It doesn't go like down into the, you know, the southern part at all. It's it's basically just, you know, Hanoi is kind of at the center of the, the South Vietnam part of the map. And, and it extends a little bit below that. And then northern, just a little bit of China so that they have an invasion route. So this does introduce, well, since we're talking about maps, it does introduce a strategic map. Um, what's mm-hmm. interesting here is a lot of because of the situation where China invades Vietnam, a lot of the U.S. assets are coming from different theaters. And right. so you use that map to get them from there before they're actually effective in game. You need to yeah. rebase them. Yeah, there you basically got you've got Japan, which is a, a source of some allied troops. And then and then you've got the Indian Ocean and I think it's called like the west pacific reaches or something like that but basically coming all the way from the u.s and guam like there's yeah. they can be in a number of different places yeah and so you have a little bit of uh naval stuff on board you have the amphibious you can do beachheads and stuff it didn't come up in any of my games and that's more of just like i've never really messed with the naval stuff so i'm not going to start messing with it now yeah uh, i think the present, naval though. comes into play the most with there's a couple of so if you're just playing Vietnam by itself, and if you're playing a combined game, and obviously the naval map takes on a whole different importance. Sure. Um, but if you're just playing Vietnam, there's the Spratleys, and I'm drawing the blank on the, the one other island Two or others. set of islands, a couple other islands that are basically just, you know, if you're playing China, you're going to want to invade those because you're going to want to, it's going to stop the U.S. Yes. From, or stop or slow the U.S. from getting troops into Vietnam. Yeah, so there's a little you're checking for control of three different three different spaces, um, and you are. I don't know. Is there anything else to paint like big picture wise about what's going on in this game? You, I think you painted it really well. Like this is the chunk yeah. of Vietnam. You have I mean, a you- small part of the Pacific Ocean at play, kind of abstracted at a completely different scale than the main map. Um, yeah, you said that there's not a whole lot of naval like amphibious assaults. Um, I, I've played with some. I've used those in the past, um, not only just for invading those islands, but also for you know getting troops 
onto the the southern part of that. And again, it's not oh. southern South Vietnam, but getting getting more troops into that southern part of the map, I, I have found that to be useful as well. Because you start off with basically your main invasion forces from. Uh, it's not exactly north and west, but if you think of the map as a standard map, it's sort of crooked. But basically in the north and the west, and then and then you get to do some airdrops as well, mm-hmm. which I always put those guys into the south because, you know, that's that's where they're really useful. And then you can follow up with amphibious assaults. And, and actually the, the U.S. can follow up with amphibious assaults because you get some Marines in there to try to take back some ground that way too. So right. I have found that. To, to come into play but for the most part yeah you want to take those islands to basically be a barrier to the the big carrier fleets that are going to come join the party i should clarify don and i did not get there and then i did not really mess with naval stuff because i'm not familiar with it so strategically i probably made the wrong choice that makes total sense and i can completely see that yeah and just i mean next war in general this isn't a vietnam thing but uh, the naval stuff has always been a little bit lacking to me. And that's kind of why, I mean, my favorite game in the series is Korea um, just because it's like just a massive invasion across the border. Um, I like India, Pakistan as well. I like Vietnam. Don't get me wrong. I've, I mean, I played it a lot this summer. I didn't mention it earlier cause I knew we were going to talk about it now, but I played a good part of the standard campaign in, I think I played in June. So. Yeah. Um, Let's talk, there's so many, uh, let's talk mechanics. And I think what I want to start with is the thing, the whole thing about Next War is there is nothing overly complex. Even when I talk about the naval stuff, the naval stuff is not complex. It's just, there is so much stuff. So you have. Follow the sequence of play. Right. And that's where I'm, that's where I'm going eventually right it's nothing about next war is overly complex it's the combination of detail you know you really get into the nitty-gritty when you start dealing with the advanced uh, air stuff um and then you start adding in maybe you add in the cyber rules which don and i played with or maybe you're throwing in supply rules now you're throwing in detection rules and so you start adding more and more detail that you're just adding more take a step back from there there are basically two right. ways to play standard versus advance. Right. Um, advanced obviously is a lot more detailed in depth. The two main differences, and there are others in a missing bar. Uh, the standard game doesn't really use supply. Um, there's no supply units on the board and the air game is a completely different game. I mean, there's a whole mini game when you play advanced roles with air units, whereas with standard game, you just get air points. And detection is a much bigger component of the advanced sure, game. It, sure. it yeah. turns on and off so many different abilities, whether something's yep. detected or not. And that's in Vietnam specifically, that's where jungle comes into play. So with what Rich said in mind, two standard, two forms of play, a great point we should have made at the start. It's just all of that, even in the standard game, there's a lot, but in the advanced, there is just so much. So big mini game, lots of detail, but it's detail that I enjoy. And the way you tackle that detail is what Rich said, follow the sequence of play. Which Be- is well written. It is. I mean, and there's even role references on the, the player aid. Whether you're playing the standard game or the advanced game, 
you follow yeah. this. And one, it's incredibly important because there are phases get repeated. Sometimes the initiative player, whoever the side that has the initiative can do cool new things or maybe there's specific scenario rules that allow you know that changes the game depending on what phase you're in so one you need that roadmap to make sure you don't miss anything and then two it just walks you through the game just take it step by step when you get to a new thing go read that go walk through it again and i think that's how you should approach next war because once you start diving into the actual mechanics i don't think anything's gonna like be like whoa this makes no sense Mm mm-hmm I mean, there's going to be case rules that, like, we were looking up all kinds of stuff, but it was usually very specific case rules that maybe we didn't even need to look up. We could have gut checked it. Most of the time, we were right when we thought something was one thing or another. Yeah. Um, it is, generally speaking, you go, I go, but. So it's, you're moving yeah, all per, of your forces. Per section of the, the sequence of play. Right. Yeah. But when you're moving and when you're doing things will depend on who has initiative, what type of turn it is. So it can be a non-initiative turn or just a regular turn. That will change the sequence of play. But generally speaking, one side is doing all their missile yeah. strikes. Then the other side is doing all their missile strikes. The only thing that's kind of at the same time is the air mini game that Rich talked about. Right. Yeah, where you line up your guys. So, yeah, and and we should probably talk about that because that is a a huge part of the advanced game. So for the basic game, or standard game it's called, you you just get air points to use, and they work similarly to a lot of games. I mean, OCS or any other game that's got air points, they all kind of work. Yeah, OCS probably isn't the best, but it's like you can spend these airplane points. I just mean as far as air points, they kind of work the same. To enhance your combat. Yeah, right. Yeah, for support, and you can use them for other things as well. But for the advanced game, you actually get counters for for planes. And you know, first you decide, okay, I want to send all of these guys on an air superiority mission. So, and what you're doing is you're you're holding some back because if they're flying air superiority, you can't later use them to provide you know tactical air support or you know support for. Bombers or helicopters or anything else that you want to use them for. So once each player, basically in secret, um, decides who who they want to send for air support, then one side, the side with the advantage, will get to you know start lining up planes. Like these guys are going to dogfight. This guy's going to dogfight. This guy. These two guys are going to dogfight. This guy. And and you're going to go through the whole thing. And and honestly, that that just just the air phase can take an hour really i mean once you get it down and you're doing everything quickly it's probably more like half an hour but it takes a while it really is a mini game right but once you get all that done you can determine which side has what level of air superiority i think what i want to add to that and i won't walk through the mechanics of every air aspect is and this is acknowledged in the rule book every aspect of the air game adds significantly more time but it's worth it because once okay so rich talked about how you can you know add these guys to combat support or bombing runs or whatever that then involves its own sequence of okay this guy's going on a mission we need to do detection we need to do uh anti-air defense like what and so you're checking three or four different things every air mission you're doing so if you're bombing this this and this you run them and then you check for detection and anti-air so it does add significantly more time but i find that 
I think that's the most fun part. <laughs> yeah. I, I, well, I disagree. I love, and it's basically the same and standard. There are some differences. I love the ground combat of next war. Oh, it is my, okay. See, I like the air phase and I like the strike phase. <laughs> I like shooting cruise missiles at people. <laughs> I, that stuff's fine to me. But then if I, if I were to play the standard game, I would miss the detection and the supply and the other stuff. I guess it depends on the scenario. Like if you're equal on missiles more or less, but like in Vietnam, usually you're not. Yeah. The, yeah. the Chinese have like 45 right. crews. <laughs> and or, they get to I think start the scenario with like 20 shots or whatever. No, it's 45 scud missiles and like 20 cruise missiles. Yeah. And then the SRV have five scud missiles. Yeah. And so it's just, you're way outgunned. And so, yeah, it's, it's fine. I mean, that's, that's probably accurate, but it also is like, okay, shoot your missiles. So yeah. anyways, all of that adds more time, but it is it's worth it in my if you're interested in that. You don't have to do that. And you can even cut the air part out of the advanced game if you find it takes too much time. And here's yeah, the other and- thing here's the other thing I'll add on the time component is it seems to take the most time in turn one because that's when you have the most assets available. Those yeah, things speed yeah. up as you spin down, as aircraft becomes unavailable, as your hackers as their computers blow up and you lose your hackers and your special forces missions guys, they don't come back. And so you start dwindling those resources, and it is a game of managing those resources, managing cruise missiles, and I'll, I'll get there, but it, it gets quicker. Yeah. And one other thing I wanted to add about the air system, in Supplement 2, there's a completely alternate new air system that I have not played at all, so I can't comment on it at all, but there is a third alternative there as well. I think one of the things I like most about Next War, other when we're not talking about more abstract, why I like this game, what do I feel when I play this game, is you start the game. You're the Chinese. You have all the aircraft. You've won air superiority against the Vietnamese because they have eight planes and you're sending like <laughs> 20. Yeah. You have all the strikes available to you in the world. You can do 10 missile strikes. And in the Vietnam, you get to do special on the first turn you get to do special forces missions and then you get to do special forces missions again yeah what what i like is this game is i don't know if it's threat assessment or priority assessment it's you have so many decisions of where you can commit your resources are you going to commit them to help your ground push or are you going to start throwing resources at making their air defense and detection methods less useful are you going to start hitting you know like bases are you going to drop nukes the the priority assessment and the target assessment in this game is just like fascinating yeah i think what i like most about the system is it is 100 percent not a world war ii game with modern units yes it's completely separate i mean the mobility like on on if your elite units are going to move three times on a single turn the mobility is high, you know, it's all about, you know, detecting headquarters. Like I said, I like the strike phase. I like to find their headquarters, find their units and, and, and shoot missiles at them. Yeah. You know, that feels very modern rather than just loading up, you know, a, a big army and, and not, I'm not complaining about the ground combat, but it's not about loading up a big army and just rushing into the next guy's army. But even if, even if you wanted to, I mean, you don't have the whole map isn't covered. Like you have right. five units to, for one core. Right. At, but you can still support the, like your ground efforts, which is kind of what I went for. I was striking his HQs 
his artillery to hopefully give my ground units the chance because I knew I was losing the air game. On the counterpoint, Don, every chance he had a strike, again, he could strike my SAMs or mm-hmm. my anti-air Take down or my tracks. detection. He was so, right. you know, it's just it's interesting that I think different players assess different priorities. Yeah. And it allows you that wiggle room. Like it's kind of like, and uh, these two games are not comparable at all, but we talked about NATO Air Commander a couple months ago. And right. when you're attacking the tracks, you know, yep. you're attacking their overall defense systems. That's something that you need to do in this game. Yep. Yep. Because you're playing the long game. I mean, if, if you're just going to play one turn, it's not it's not worth it. But right. if you're planning on playing a long game, you need to do that. Um, I'm trying to... I don't know like what else is there is to say about... What else do you have to I say guess, about Next War, Rich? So, not about Next War, but specifically Vietnam. The jungle really does yeah. make a difference. It makes it feel very different. Especially if you're coming from something like Poland... I mean, Poland, wide open, lots of mobility, not Vietnam. You're going to stick to the roads. You're going to have a hard time. If if a guy's got a, uh, you know, a, 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 what are the fortresses called? They're not called fortresses. The um, command outposts? Yeah, the command outposts. If a guy has a nice defensible unit with a command outpost at one of those jungle crossroads up north, that's a tough nut to crack. Yeah, it's not only a defensive units attacking in or have mechanized and motorized are halved, but it also depending on like what they're if they're not on a road they're not detected meaning mm-hmm. you can't strike in right and uh you know run you try to knock them out before it even matters yeah. um yeah i don't know if i have anything vietnam i do like that there's two fronts or like two approaching chinese forces yeah. and then it's like i started in the first time i played it when i was doing the tactical surprise I started them like way out on the border, mm-hmm. and then Don airdropped south of Hanoi immediately. And I was like, "Yeah, oh," because I had nothing down right. there. So I started <laughs> yeah. scrambling back to Hanoi, and that's then so when the, I played uh, the that's build- where the hundred first airborne helps out. You <laughs> drop them at the- <laughs> and I like I started running back. So the next time I said, I was like, "All right, I'm gonna be a little conservative, <laughs> and I think I'll leave this core in Hanoi." Yeah. Um, so it's I do like that you have the Chinese advancing on two fronts, and then, like from a ground, a ground unit perspective, the map isn't like overpopulated anywhere near it. Like it's not a very no counter dense. Uh, I mean, there's tons of aircraft. Yeah, like uh, an entire formation of which there are. Well, I mean the the South Vietnamese have their sort of defense zones, and they've got Hanoi guys, and they've got two or three army four nations, but each of those formations is going to have four, maybe five counters. So like they're going to have some artillery and maybe three infantry units. Like maybe one of those will be mech or something like that. But, and then some of the guys have armor, but there's not that much armor in the game. Nope. And and I don't know what else. Like you have helicopters and all kinds of cool. Oh, you can shop for like cool stuff. And that's, that's kind of a cool thing. Like you can start losing victory points by, um, and I brought the U.S. in at level yeah, two. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. So, yeah. like, countries can commit at different levels depending on the scenario, and that changes the victory points. And so mm-hmm. if you want all the cool, like, U.S. guns, like, you're giving up victory points right. to have the U.S. fully committed. Um, and then you can also then, not only are you doing that, you can buy wild weasels, and or you can buy... Upgraded planes. 
Yeah. You can say, hey, these F-15s just turned into F-35s. Right. You can buy buy victory points like combat effectiveness for the U.S. Um, for like basically negate some of the surprise factor, things like that. So there is this cool like kind of opening game of cool tech, which I mm-hmm. like. Uh, yeah. It's a fun little thing. Yeah. Which obviously is a much bigger deal if you're playing the advanced air game. But some of that right. comes into play even on standard. Yes. Yes, it does. Yeah. So your helicopters are on map for the planes, for the most part, are not on map. They go in kind of a holding box. But then if they do close air support, you know, it'll show where they're they're working. But the helicopters, you know, have to operate from air bases. And so you have to take air bases and have places. They do have a range. Like the guys, the uh, the Chinese the guys that come in from the, the far left-hand side of the map, th- there's often a turn or two where their helicopter can't really support them because he's too far away. Uh, supply is kind of a fixed thing if you're talking about the advanced game. I like the supply rules a lot. I think it adds a nice little puzzle because you need to, you will reach a point where you need forward supply, especially if you're the attacker. And those are just juicy targets waiting to be striked or <laughs> killed. Yeah. But um, they have to be identified first. That's true. And so I like I like that component as well. Um, I think if I, if I summarize, like, just my overall thoughts are the, I love, oh, Real quick, combat resolution. I love all the modifiers, the combat shifts. I love meaty combats. Yeah. And there are so many DRMs. And then first you start with combat shifts. Oh, man, one of the coolest things they've done is the randomized CRT. It's not completely random, but... It's not linear, right? It's not linear. So you may roll a three on a really good column, and the three may be a take-one-loss they take three losses. Yeah. Well, the four may be you take no losses and they take three losses. Yeah. Or or two losses and they retreat or something. So th- you may get like a really good column, but that doesn't mean you're not going to take any results. And it's just yeah. another little like randomness because it's war. And the other little thing that I like about Next War, and this is one of my favorite all-time things, is that if, so say I've got five to four. So every war gamer knows that's one to one. But it's better than one-to-one. So instead of being a column over, I'm still in the one-to-one column, but I get to take that extra one as a DRM. Mm-hmm. I love that. I just I think yeah. that's great. The, <laughs> the manipulation of the CRT yeah. in the columns is top-notch in next one. And there's, there's chits for DRMs in there as well, so you can mark them on your, yep. your CRT, which yep. I love. I love that as well. Should we – anything else you want to add, or is it time? So, I mean – the only, it's not a negative. Um, the only negative that I would say to this game, um, honestly, is just because I, I this setting is not as interesting to me as some of the other ones. I mean, I look at, you know, when you look at the newspaper, Taiwan looks like it could happen at any time. India, Pakistan looks like it could happen at any time. This one feels like more of a, hey, this here, this would make a cool game, but I don't necessarily see this happening. Um, it's not that I'm waiting for a war to happen so I can play it out on a map, but for some reason, this one, the setting itself is not as interesting to me as some of the others. Yeah, I guess usually we talk about negatives. The biggest negative of Next War is the time, right? And, and things get time faster the play, more you, you yeah, the, the yeah. more you play, the faster it gets. But if, if we knock it for other games, I have to knock it here. We played from 10 to 6, and we got through a turn. 
Yeah, and there are no short scenarios. I mean, there's really only three scenarios for standard and three mm-hmm. for advanced, if I'm correct. Although I think Mitch did throw in like uh, a silver bayonet or something just to be silly. Give him too. But it, yeah, <laughs> what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but for the most part, it's just. And, and the only difference in the scenarios is how how much stuff the defender is going to get at the beginning. Well, in the advanced game. In the standard game, they are more focused, and you can play those much quicker. But I want the full experience. Yeah. And even playing by myself after coming off fresh off of Stork Fest, it was still just taking me forever. Yeah. Um, I do wish, and I told Mitch this, there needs to be a fast forward. Either, hey, here's what may happen if... Like, I want day three. Like, everyone shot their wad. This is how far the PRC have advanced. Now it's time for, like, okay, here's where the PRC has drawn their lines. Now here comes the U.S. Because if it takes you 12 hours to get to the U.S. finally arriving in force, like, you always have to go through those 12 hours. So whether it's randomized, whether you provide 12 tables, here's what happens in the air game, here's what happens on the tracks here's what happens yeah. at sea here's what happens at yada 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 and now you fast forwarded three turns i just want that option it's not yeah. like a deal i mean breaker. you can have a scenario where china has conquered north vietnam and the allies are basically seeking to you know relieve it at this point well that's kind of what you're doing yeah here's the invasion here's how far they because that's how the game is if that's the curve of the game right right the right. prc push the vietnamese take it in the teeth and then you hope the allies show up to some extent yeah. And the reinforcements are coming. And Although, it, I mean, it, it's not it's not a done deal that right? China is going to conquer Hanoi. Right. It is, it is tough. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Those clearing ur- markers. Urban are, fighting in this right. game is not easy. <laughs> right. That's absolutely true. And that's why I think it needs to be random. But it yeah. would be cool in some of these games to be like, all right, you've done this, but like maybe you want to pick it up later. Anyways, that's so yeah. the time commitment is a huge knock again, not a huge knock. Cause I really yeah. like the game. It is a big strike against it. Yeah. And the naval rules in general, just, I don't know. I mean, like I said, often it, it feels like it's just sort of a delaying action. Almost feels like the naval rules should either be more or less. And I'm not sure which it is. I'm not sure how to fix that. It's just the, the naval rules in this game are not as good as the the ground and air stuff. Nice. Let's rank it. All right. We have a list. Not our list. We're just the custodians. That's right. We are merely the sculptors, the the we're the pressure washers. When you haven't washed your deck for 30 <laughs> years, we come in and spray down your list and it reveals, "Oh my gosh, look at this list under here." <laughs> And so it's a list of every war game ever made, ranked from best to worst. And we're going to rank next war Vietnam. Every war game ever from the U.S. Civil War to Zeppelin Raider. Yeah. <laughs> Everything in between. U to Z. All right. Yeah. So we have a starting point, obviously. We have next war India Pakistan on this list at number seven. Yeah. And then if you want to get cheeky about it, the next hypothetical game we have, I believe, is our DIN 2024 at 39. And I'll be bold. And I'll say this is somewhere in between Next War India-Pakistan and Arden 2024. Now, do we want to take a few minutes and decide if this is better than Arden 2024? It's better. But okay. it's, you know what, Rich? <laughs> it is, you can disagree with me. It is not better than Next War India-Pakistan. 
No, I agree with you. And, and I think it's for the, the main two reasons are, um, for me, historical intrigue, if you want to call it that. Um, India, Pakistan seems more likely than China, Vietnam. And India, Pakistan, that mountain terrain is yes. just fun to fight in. Yes. <laughs> also, And the jungle is too, but no naval rules, interesting mountain terrain. Yeah, I like IP better. Yeah, as much as I like the jungle terrain. Plus, IP was my first. Yeah. And I have so many good memories of Lawrence trying to blow up the same bridge like over and over again in IP and it's, you know what but I do I do genuinely think for my interest just like you IP more interesting for whatever reason. So there's yeah. our ceiling. All right. So let's jump. I don't think we need to go directly to the middle, I think, but I'm going to throw out some th- titles and you tell me if you like this one better. Um, I think I'll start out with some easy ones that I, I think it's pretty sure we're better. Uh, so it's 17 Battle Hymn Volume 1. Better. Better. I agree. Yeah. So now we're between 7 and 17. It's getting easier, see? We just cut like 20 games off. The That's list. right. Uh, let's go with a harder one. Dien Bien Fu. Not as good. Not as good. I would agree. I think we're right on the same page here. Yeah, I'm right. gonna I'm gonna so sc- here, I'm gonna scroll down for you. Okay. Atlantic Chase. Hmm. Atlantic Chase is just so different. Yeah. And and that's its best thing about it, but I still think Next War is better. Oh. I think the best best war is better. The best next war is better yeah. than Atlantic Chase. Yeah, I, I see what she's saying, yeah. And there's still a lot of next war out there. Right. Okay. So you like you like Atlantic Chase better than Vietnam? Next War Vietnam? They're close. If not, it's around the area. Yeah. The problem is yeah. I think we have Atlantic Chase ranked too low. Yeah, that could be. Um because Well, I, let's let's go up. Let's okay. Holland 44 versus Next War Vietnam. Um Those are probably more comparable just because Atlantic Chase is unique. Holland 44 is sure. more of a standard war game. Mm, next War Vietnam. Yeah, see, that's where we run into the problem because Atlantic right. Chase is below Holland 44. Yeah, I also think Atlantic Chase is better than Holland 44. I think we have a rematch yeah. coming up. Yeah, that'll happen. So Thunder and the Ozarks, somewhat I, of a standard game. I mean, it's a chit pull. It's it's interesting. I think Next War Vietnam. Yeah. Nevsky. Another very unique game. Now, this one's harder to compare to Next War. Thunder and the Ozark Holland 44 easier to compare to Next I, War than I Nevsky agree. is. Oh man, Thunder and the Ozarks though. Thunder and the Ozarks is chit pull. I see. <laughs> That's tough. I don't think see, it's better I, than Nevsky. I don't think it's better than Nevsky. No, I don't either. And I think I'd put it at 14. I think I would put it at just above Thunder and the Ozarks. I like Thunder and the Ozarks, but it's a, you know, it's a, it's a simpler game. Not that that's bad, but um, this one has definitely has more depth to it. I agree. I agree. There's more. There are things I probably enjoy more overall. I think I'm, I'm getting hung up on the time of Next War Vietnam. Which mm-hmm. shouldn't matter because the eight hours I played at Historic Fest and then my weeknights this week have been amazing. And so, like, if I'm playing eight hours playing Next War Vietnam, I'd rather do that than play eight hours at the bottom of our list. And so, yes, <laughs> yeah. it takes it takes forever. It yeah. really does. It is a very long game. Yeah, I mean, last year at Historic Con, I played Next War for three and a half days. 
and I enjoyed it. Um, but we have been having these conversations about what to do in next work on next year. It would be nice to have something that you could play quicker and still get a good solid taste for that system. I will put it at 14 above thunder in the Ozarks with the, with you knowing that Atlantic chase is going to have to do some climbing. Yeah. I don't know how we ended up with it there, but I don't know either. Sir, I think at least two spots. Yeah, we're gonna have to go back to episode thirty-six and see what was going on that. Yeah. that someone, week. someone, someone, go back and listen and tell us why we did that. <laughs> All right, so that's our list, folks. There we go. Uh, fifty. Next to Vietnam is the fourteenth greatest war game of all time, out of fifty-two. <laughs> and Zeppelin Raider is the fifty-second greatest war game of all time. All right, Rich, how many games do we have left? Well, we got a choice. We can either do fifty-two more, or we can stop when we have both played every game that we own. All right. We're making progress somehow. Something yeah, like that. It keeps didn't we growing. just each buy like eight games? Yeah. And <laughs> I think last time we did this, we were at like 49 or something. So yeah. Do, they, do, they, do all my new magazine games that I just bought count? Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, because we're, we're going to play. have to play Red River. That's right. Well, yeah. you know what? Red River is going up for September's game because I think we could play it. Okay. Perfect. So speaking of. Red uh, River you... Red River and Reds. Look at that. It's Look thematic. It's the what? Excuse it's me. thematic. Oh, yes. Thematic. <laughs> I heard that as something else. Uh, so what Rich is talking about, what I am talking about, is voting and picking our game for September. Uh, we have a Patreon. If you subscribe at any level, we're going to put up a poll as soon as this episode goes live, probably be Saturday afternoon. Uh, and you get to vote. And there will be 5 to 32 games for you to choose from. <laughs> there will never be 32. There will probably be like 5 to 8 games that you get to choose from that are... Um, they're chosen by Rich and I, so like you get to vote, but we're not going to pick things we don't want to play unless you like really convince us. So, anyways, we're going to throw up a couple games, and uh, how it works is we stump for two of them that we want to play most, and then there's some other backups. All right, so do you have September's nomination for you, Rich? I did. I just changed it two seconds ago. This is the year of naval war gaming, and Red River is a naval war game because it has a river in it. So I'm stumping for Red River. If Red River gets first off, <laughs> I'm going to vote for Red River. I've always wanted to play it. If if we do Red River, you need to go find. I think it's in book two. Whichever Shelby Foot book you need to check out and just read the short section on the Red River campaign. Like, okay, sure. Yeah, boats, I got that on my shelf. So the perfect. boat gets stuck, like the river runner gets stuck, and like the Confederates <laughs> are taking pot shots at it, and it just like keeps getting stuck, and it's just a cluster. There's awesome. a Red River book called the Red River Campaign. Um, something from beginning to end, like it's not Cluster F from beginning to end, but it might as well be. That's longer, or you can just read Shelby Foot's little synopsis on it. Right. Perfect. And because it's a magazine game, I'm assuming there's going to be an article about it in there as well. Yeah, but it was probably written in the early 80s and, well, <laughs> we'll be done the problems with that. Okay, uh, I'll do Brotherhood and Unity. I'm not, like, I'd rather it be the Red River campaign from the magazine, um, but I also think, like, here's a cool opportunity to talk about a three-player game. We don't have Maria on the list. We don't have a lot of, like, multiplayer games. And also, our list is very heavy. We like heavy war games, Rich. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about this before with, like, when I've stumped for Red Flag over Paris, which needs to go on this list. Um, it's just nice to get lighter games in. And, not like, if we picked this, I bet we could hop on the Discord and find two other schmucks 
and play this one night a week and just like you're done in like two hours two and a half hours about it. especially if everyone knows the rules then you're done in no time so it'd be a cool game that i think we could get a lot of play in over the next month but if everyone voted for red river campaign then i also want to be upset all right schmucks let's play you're not schmucks everyone we love you and actually <laughs> i shouldn't say that because i do generally like love our interactions with uh, all the people we interact with um, whether you are a Patreon or not, we do appreciate your support of the show. But if you are a Patreon, you can go and vote. All right. Uh, you want to do other stuff? Other stuff, yeah. We got uh, a GMT update. We have a GMT update. Let me pull up. I All wouldn't right. say it was a GMT update that necessarily blew me away, but there was an update. Yeah. there was. And did you see... Did you see an update from the designer of Next War today on Twitter? Uh, yes, the Supplement 3. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I've been waiting for that. Yeah, in fact, because... So I already own Next War Poland. Right. Uh, Same. He, correct me if I'm wrong. He, well, I'll see him. We're going on a bike ride tomorrow morning. Um, but I think... So Poland 2.0 is coming out. But I think if you get Supplement 3, three. and you have Poland... You've got Poland 2.0. So I'm, that's my understanding. That. I'm sure yeah. if we're wrong, we're wrong, we'll hear about it. But yeah. that's my understanding as well. Yeah. So Poland 2.0 and Supplement 3 coming out. Hey, speaking and of I India think, Pakistan. I think Taiwan's going to get a reprint too. Speaking of India Pakistan, the winner of Next War Con got an instant copy of <laughs> India Pakistan. Yeah. Which, good luck finding that. I know. All right. Let's do the update. So this came out just over a week ago. Um, new P five hundreds. Yeah, like, that's always there. the first thing I look at. Yeah, right. Yep. Okay, so we had a new American Revolution tri pack. I love yep. the first tri pack. So Monmouth, Germantown, and Newtown. Which honestly, I'm not even going to feign knowing the difference between those battles. Like, I'm just not a revol. Like, I know enough about the time period, um, but. I don't know the battles. I don't know the military history of the Revolutionary War. So, yeah, I have the uh, the battles from the Age of Reason Monmouth game, um, but I haven't played it yet. And I have Savannah from uh-huh. the American Revolution games, but I haven't played that yet either. So, so what I'm saying is that I don't know anything. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to back this only because look, I actually love these games. I just don't play them enough, and I don't know why. And since yeah. I still have unplayed in the first tri-pack, look, GMT's tri-packs, from, historically speaking, are great value. So if this is your jam, I'm sure it's good. But, like, I have unplayed games of these, and I never get them to the table. No yeah. fault of the system. I highly yeah. recommend it. It's just, I don't know, it never comes out. And we had a yeah. new game. Yeah, this one is new. Iron Storm? What do you think about this? World War One. <laughs> I mean, it's not something I'm going to P500, but it's going to be on my radar. You know, like if I hear good things about it, I'll, I'll pick this one up when it shows up at miniature market. Yeah. Game designed by Edgar Finelar, Finelar, Edgar, Edgar designed this. Um, Is that a name we know? Doesn't ring a bell. No, no offense to Edgar. I, what I, how I should have phrased that is. Has Edgar designed games for GMT in the past? 
uh, no, I th- believe this is at least their first their first game with GMT. So okay, uh, I'm totally down for like new and innovative stuff. I mean, look at not that Volko is a new designer, but Nevsky, Atlantic Chase, you know, Seki Gahara are, are just games that I think of that you know Seki Gahara has been out for a long time. But they're new and innovative, so like I, you know, if something is as successful as those, yeah, I'll keep an eye on this. Uh, and then we had oh, Falling Sky. Yep, that's fine. Coin. Which is my favorite coin game. Not really? because it's even necessarily the greatest, but it's just the one that I like. Okay. Because isn't that... Well... I don't think it's the best. I mean, like, if I were to rank them on what I think is the best of them, I, this probably wouldn't be one, but I just really like this one. Probably because it was my first one. Fair enough. Okay. Uh, you want to do some uh, guessing without any thing to back up our guesses? Sure, let's go for it. All right. A game with an Egyptian theme from the Napoleonic period. What? I can't parse that sentence. <laughs> the only thing I was thinking when I read this is maybe a commands and colors game in Egypt. But now, well, you wouldn't say Napoleonic period. Well, but you had you had the his campaign in Egypt. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it was like that's super naval interesting. Naval battles and yeah. Egyptian theme. It, yeah, I don't know. So I what to me that means it's the Egypt campaign. And which I don't I don't know much about Napoleonics in general. Um specific and even less about the Egyptian campaign. I do know that obviously there are some big naval battles there, so Yeah. Well it was into yeah. Um or or it's a swerve and this is a Euro game. And it's about discovering the Rosetta Stone. Oh, who knows? I probably I like probably idea. not that. I probably like your not. idea. Yeah. All right, a new new smaller box game for the GBACW players. Rich, is this when we finally get to play GBACW? Well, no, I'll probably get to play it when I play the game that's on my shelf. Here, but <laughs> sure, I mean it depends on what battle it is. Maybe it's going to be. Uh, maybe it's what's what. So obviously Shiloh, I've already got what. What would get me going on a smaller... G- well, the Battle of St. Louis. There we go. How about the Red River campaign? Yeah, there we go. I'd take that one, too. A modern tactical battle game with a combined arms emphasis. All right. It just talked about Red Platoon and um, yeah. the Outpost. That would be something. I don't know. I feel like it's really hard. Combined arms, though... Well, combined arms may be may just mean tactical, and then you factor in air support because if you're talking modern, air has to be an element to the tactical game. Yeah. My problem with this is like, and I've toyed around with. I think the Red Platoon, the uh, Cop Keating, is such an interesting story that it would make an interesting game. But who wants to play, especially when you're in tactical? Like, I don't know. Do people really want to play as? any and i'm gonna you know put quotations around it the bad guys in any sure. in any yeah, modern tactical scenario saying, yeah. not that it's not that it it, it, it won't have interesting yeah. choices but you, you almost know. think it would have to be hypothetical though because there's not there's not a whole lot of modern wars that are fought with a lot of combined arms I think. Well, you know, yeah. I mean, I mean, you gotta, obvi- obviously, there's a big one going on right now that I don't think they're touching. <laughs> right. But you know but, what I mean. Well, I mean, I mean, who's to say? 
it's not Iraq or Afghanistan, which I I'd be super yeah. interesting in. It's just still one one person is going to be left playing. I mean, it's it's the same right. issue and, with. I mean, you could do Afghanistan and you could make roles for insurgency and everything. But I mean, if you did Iraq or something, I mean, that there were no battles that would be interesting to both players. I mean, much less having one guy play the quote bad guys, but well, you don't have to do, I mean, even just small engagements. I mean, when you, when you read about, once you go read the two books and then if you read, I read some other book that was about um, some special forces guys that got stuck on the top of a mountain. Like yeah. the interesting thing that I think you could do with modern when you're talking tactical is you're dealing on for the U.S. forces. You're doing like such a small scale that let's just say you're doing Afghanistan. Like you may have 12 guys against 50 Afghanis or something like that. And so. I do think it like does change the scale. Like you're not dealing with big old stacks in ASL or something like that in this. So it's like really zoomed in. Um, and now I've completely lost where I was even going with that. I'm just, I'm very curious to see where this goes because I've had an interest in like, what would a modern tactical game look like that one is interesting for both sides to play. And two does incorporate air because there's this whole like management of every piece of, equipment in the air from drones to helicopters to like the the big ass things flying in the clouds you, you know like that has to be managed by someone right. on the ground or someone up in the air and so like yeah. what would a game like that look like i think if they pull this off it's gonna be super interesting i just have no idea what it's gonna be oh speaking of which last week uh last weekend mitch was showing me and some stuff from ats modern uh, yeah yeah which looked pretty cool as well but well i'm I curious told him i'd play that with him since i no, like I'm, ats I, I've, I've enjoyed playing it i'm just i'm not gonna not gonna trade asl for sure it. right right so but there is no asl modern so well i don't i don't even i don't know i guess i should ask mitch what he thinks about the modern stuff with ats anyways i'm not sure he's played it yet he was showing it to me and i know there was stuff like you know like rate of fire in asl he was showing me some some vehicle or something that had a rate of fire of 113 and yet like you roll the shots 10 at a time or something like that is crazy weird yeah so all that to say modern tactical battle game with combined arms emphasis that also just maybe may mean tanks as well but then you go back to your question like how many tank battles right anyways okay i guess we'll see what it is and then finally a new game in the living campaign series sure not yeah, to say I'm not excited about it, but we know there are, we know there's a big queue and thirty just, out there or right. something like that. So which one? I don't know. Just expect it at this point. Yeah. All right. All the more reason to have Levy and Campaign Fest next year in KC. That's right. Okay, real quick, I just wanted to, and this isn't like a a gotcha news. I think this is just a sign of where things are going. So Randy from Legion Games had a. a update on a um, most glorious chance or whatever that solo naval game is we talked about at the beginning of the year looking forward to that i think it's going to be delayed but he had a closing remark that said um the not so good news is that with price increases and everything and i mean everything we'll have to reassess the price of the game i just got a price quote for our next box skyhawk and i'm still recovering from sticker shock and so i think the point is is they are reassessing what their cpo the their p250 system basically um, and what that means for prices. I don't think this is shocking to anyone. But 
it is kind of an interesting like when are we going to feel the ripples of the highest inflation in 40 years in our wargaming hobby and i know that games have gotten to be more and more expensive especially from compass and gmt and mmp's bigger games those all sting um it is refreshing like remember when bayonets and tomahawks came out that was like a 40 dollar game yeah which is just insane so i don't know i think i think the only problem and i totally get it um is that because so many things are p500 and in kickstarted and pre-order and all that stuff i mean there's a lot of people that have already paid for something that they haven't gotten yet right so when inflation cranks everything up in that meantime it's going to create a problem one side or the other so i think who knows when it will come and maybe i'm completely wrong i think at some point there's going to be just a big push against and i know that companies need it i get it it's different than video game companies but at some point gosh i remember growing up and when I was in middle school and high school and even college, like midnight releases, and you had to have it pre-ordered. Yeah. And you would go to GameStop and you'd go at midnight or whatever. or gosh, Get in line outside. Right. <laughs> and you'd pre-order college football, which is the same release from the year before. <laughs> right. And then finally, within the last, and it still happens, but within the last 10 years, the push against pre-ordering video games, just people got fed up with it. And... To a certain extent, you and I have identified publishers that we don't pre-order from anymore because mm-hmm. we don't know what the quality is going to be. My point is, I wonder in in board games, when does Peterson Games? They're basically funneling projects, money from their latest project to fund their old projects that they haven't fulfilled yet. So, of course, I will never, ever, ever kickstart or pre-order a Peterson game game again, and not. Not to say that our, the publishers that we like, we enjoy, we haven't had issues with that. The games have all more or less delivered with the quality we want. But I think there will be a time when people stop with board games. Because it is kind of ridiculous that if a game comes to you and it's crappy quality, you're going to stop pre-ordering that crap. You're going to wait to see what the qual- like what people think of the game. And if things get more and more expensive, then that's less stuff I'm going to pre-order until I wait to know that the game is absolutely home run. Now, obviously, yeah. that's different with tried and true things. You know, if a Simonich game is coming out or a Dinesic game is coming out or a Volko, Mitch, what, you know, name our favorite designer. Sh- sure. Yeah, I'm going to support that just so it sees the light of day. But at some point, I think board game publishers just as a whole are just going to have to get away from like, I don't know. That's just my thought. Yeah. I, I, I might be speaking from place of ignorance, but I think part of it is it sort of creates a vicious cycle too, because once they have the money, there's an expectation of time to delivery and, you know, they might rush stuff to get stuff out on time because they already have your money and it just gets ugly along the way. Yeah. Well, I don't, I just thought it was interesting. Um, you know, I've been kind of, I haven't had my finger on the pulse so much over the last three months, but just this week, just seeing one, one war game publisher that I keep an eye on. I love Legion war games. They don't turn out as much as, you know, kind of the big three do, but when they do turn something out, it's gen generally a very good game. Uh, that's yeah. kind of the first I've seen 
where they've at least indicated some kind of price increase coming due to the rising cost of everything. We'll wait to see. And that's not a sure thing. Listen to the quote I said. Um, but it's at least something they're considering that they may have to adjust either their CPO model or prices or whatever changes they make. There may be some changes in store. Speaking of Legion, did you pre-order Kim Kanger's new game? I did not. I haven't pre-ordered anything recently. As I just talked about how we need to shift away from that, you bet I did. I had yeah. C- I had <laughs> I had signed up for the CPO for that a long time ago. Yeah. And Legion's That's CPO one that is will way not different. be in miniature market though, so it won't be as easy to pick it up later. Yeah. But I can get it from them assuming they don't sell out. Right, right, right. All right, you got anything else? No, there's no hockey to talk about. No, no hockey talk. So instead, we'll shout out to one of our wonderful Patreons, and we'll shout out Michael Sundberg. So thank you for being a supporter, Michael. If you want to be a supporter, check out our show, patreon.com, or check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash history table. Join our Discord where you can join tournaments or talk about uh, beer or Historic Fest feedback or just hang out and pop into a PAX Premier game. Uh, there will be a link to the Discord down in the show notes. Talk about all kinds of things. We have a website. Uh, I've got a Twitter. Rich has got a Twitter. Rich, what's your Twitter? Trapeer Jr. That's me. Yeah, and I'm at History Table Pod. All right. We'll get the pull up. We'll get the episode out. And we'll be back in September. No more three month waits. All right. No more babies. <laughs> no promises on that front. Not this month. <laughs> yeah. No, no more babies in September. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Good night. Thanks. Thanks.